Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello. So how are you doing today Mick? Oh, you know, I can't complain. I mustn't grumble. It's a rare, a rare Saturday that I'm off and not doing something exciting. So what better way than to sit here and talk to you about a series that got cancelled in its prime? Yeah, God, I, I wish saying that like narrowed it down even slightly what series we're talking about I mean, to, today. To, to be fair, there are very few that have been cancelled after the first episode aired. Actually, yeah, that's that's true. We are dealing with kind of a, a special case this week. Because, yes, today we will be pondering whether we are your hosts or just plants that think they are, as we behold Swamp Thing. Welcome to the green. Yes, and to clarify, because for once the clarification bit is actually important. It is is that we're going to be talking about the 2019 DC Universe streaming series. Ah, remember DC Universe? I bet DC don't. (laughs) And HBO actively, like, try to guide you against it. Maybe just, like, kind of get some Sharpie and kind of scribble over the (laughs) the letters. I guess if you kind of put a line across the D and maybe tip X the top bits out. Yeah, yeah. C, you can kind of put a line down there, stick another line through the middle. That's basically a B. Yeah. Stick an O somewhere. Yeah. No one will notice. Exactly. Anyway, this one was created by Gary Doberman and Mark Verheiden and based on the DC Comics character created by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. Although there is kind of some contention over how appropriate the word created is. <laughs> Mainly because Swamp Thing is at the heart of one of my favourite like weird comic book stories. Which is that Swamp Thing, so we first showed up in House to Secrets issue 92 which was produced in July 1971. And Swamp Thing, as well, as we certainly know, was a scientist named Alec Holland, who died in a swamp and then got resurrected as some kind of big, hulking, kind of green swamp monster. Mm -hmm. However, over at Marvel, they created a character called Man-Thing, who was a scientist called Ted Salas, who died in a swamp and then kind of merged with the swamp to become a huge hawking green swamp man. Right. Uh, He first appeared in Savage Tales issue one in May of 1971. So there's kind of been a lot of back and forth of, you know, did um, kind of Len Wein rip off Marvel? Is it just a coincidence? Because it's also, I, I would kind of always lean more towards the coincidence I think May to July. It's a li- that's cr- it's a little bit blatant, isn't it? And and you know, comics don't appear overnight, do they? 
yeah, I would say that I think because these things are always like done in advance as well, yeah. May to July is probably a bit too tight for them to have actively read man thing and gone, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to rip that idea off. Unless, unless a disgruntled Peter Parker had webbed his camera into the drawing board office of Marvel and then sold the pictures to the highest bidder, which just happened to be DC. I mean, you say that, you've, you've actually almost stumbled upon the next point, is that Man-Thing was created by a writer called Jerry Conway, well, co-created, along with like a bunch of other people, who in college just so happened to be roommates with one Len Wine. Uh-huh. And then we dive even deeper into it, and maybe actually they're, they're both ripping off another comic. Because <laughs> in the 1940s, um, a publisher called Hillman Periodicals released a character called The Heap, who was a German pilot <laughs> they didn't think who crashed thing. in a swamp they didn't think and that died. Through, did they? they weren't looking for sales there, were they? No, the, I mean, to be fair, this was very much in the era of what's a word, <laughs> go through the dictionary, that's a word, it's a comic book hero now. That's a word. Do we need to add the word man or woman to it? No. Yeah, it's basically, here is a word that we spin the wheel of man, woman, or there. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the heap, German Air Force pilot, crashed in a swamp, died, resurrected as a swamp man. Uh, and eventually... It's amazing how often this happens in swamps, isn't it? Kids, it is. stay away from swamps. I know what the real kicker is. The heap, as a comic book character, got revived in 1971. No! Yep. Literally, like, around about the same kind of time as Swamp Thing and Man Thing were created. So, basically, summer of 1971 was just Green Man Summer. Wow. The Summer of Green. The disappointing follow-up to the Summer of Love. (laughs) So where does Toxic Avenger fit into all this? Uh, Toxic Avenger, I think, was the 80s. Yeah. But he's he's one who very definitively is just like a Swamp Thing ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean that's that's mainly like the main point I have for background of Swamp Thing. Are you like familiar with the character at all? Uh mainly through uh, I I was aware that the comic was there. Um, in my um, oh my god! Did you know there's a remake of Toxic Avenger coming? What? Starring Peter Dinklage. My. As the eponymous Avenger. <laughs> that's that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, It's got an interesting cast list. Um, Peter Dinklage as the Toxic Avenger. Uh, 
Kevin Bacon as Dick Do Dick. Uh, Julia Davis as Letty Gogo. And Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins. I, I, I th I'm not sure they're legally allowed to do that, are they? <laughs> the film serves but as who's... a reboot and contemporary reimagining of the 1984 film of the same name and the fifth instalment overall in its film franchise. It's a franchise? Uh, so there you go. I mean, who is even doing it? Because like, surely Trobo is still like alive and kicking. Production companies, Legendary Pictures and Trauma Entertainment. Oh my god. <laughs> so this is the uh, highly anticipated follow-up to uh, The Toxic Avenger, The Toxic Avenger Part 2, The Toxic Avenger Part 3, The Last Temptation of Toxie, Citizen Toxie, The Toxic Avenger 4, and, and then next year we're going to get The Toxic Avenger. Fine. <laughs> I, I've lived through 2020 and 2021. There are no more surprises for me. <laughs> oh, I feel like Sam Neill in Event Horizon. I've, I've seen the worst that can happen. This film has been in development for, since 2010, so it's going to be good, right? Yeah, it's going to be the, the Duke Nukem Forever of films. So, so um... Peter Dinklage wasn't the original choice. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, so you can see how they've kept a certain similarity in casting. Um, yeah. Oh my god. I was just about to say, yeah, they could be twins. <laughs> but, oh boy, new sequel idea. Um, I'm just I mean, actually, what I've described is basically just already the plot of the film Twins. Yeah. But, yeah. So, there you go. That's something to look forward to. So, Swamp Thing 2019, eh? Yeah, so, I, w I was aware of the comics and I saw... Um, I saw some of them um, on the shelves when I was walking enviously past uh, comic shops in the 90s and, you know, the, the graphic novel had become the thing um and i saw swamp thing ones but they just at that time if i was buying anything i was buying like a, a spider-man or a batman or something like that um and you know maybe on one of those occasions where i was buying a graphic novel and i bought say batman digital justice i should have spent the money on some swamp thing instead you should have, because I guess that was, was that probably like Alan Moore or something? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, you, you didn't make the right choice I, there. I, no, that was a poor choice. Um, but yeah, so I was aware of it. And obviously I've seen the character crop up in some of the dark DC universe um, stuff that's been animated I think he makes a guest appearance in the animated Constantine series and 
stuff like that. So yeah, because I know originally like Swamp Thing was very much. Well, I mean, he started off as a DC character. Then when Alan Moore took over, it was like, no, he's more of a Vertigo character now. So yeah. he's just off in his own little bubble. Yeah. But yeah, more recently, he's become like more of a mainstream DC character again. Yeah. Like I know he's kind of in the Justice League Dark, which is their kind of Justice League, but magic and none of us can find a light switch. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my knowledge of something pretty much i think i seem to remember there was a slightly disappointing live action um movie yeah back in the 80s mm. which i mean is basically just a man covered in leaves yeah which i probably watched but can't remember an awful lot about it um, yeah, I think I've seen clips of it on YouTube and laughed at it because it looks real bad. Uh, oh my god. Uh, it's, uh... Oh god, what horrifying revelation is this well, now? It's, it's who played um, something in the film. It was Ray Not Wise. Peter Dinklage. No, it was Ray Wise. Oh, wow! That's played how? Well, he played Alec Holland. A stuntman played the actual Swamp Thing. Um, oh, that's it. And that—that uh, that was that's kind of less impressive. Although, bearing in mind that I've just told you that uh, Kevin Bacon is playing Dick D. Dick in um, what was it? In Toxic oh, Avenger. Toxic Avenger. Dick Do Dick, the stuntman who played Swamp Thing in that 1982 film and its sequel, was called Dick Do Rock. <laughs> like, as his real person human name. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where we can go from there. I don't know. No. Spoilers for the synopsis. <laughs> this episode was planned several hours before we started recording this. We, did, we didn't really think this one through, did we? <laughs> <laughs> In my defence, I think even a week's worth of planning couldn't have prepared us for the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> no. Anyway. Anyway, Swamp yeah. Thing. Swamp Thing 2019. So, CDC doctor Abby Arcane, played by Crystal Reed, is called back to her hometown of Marais, Louisiana, to deal with the outbreak of a mysterious plague, which causes victims to mutate into horrifying plant creatures. While investigating, Abby meets scientist Alec Holland, played by Andy Bean. Uh, Alec works for businessman Avery Sunderland, Will Patton, but discovers that Avery is the one who caused the plague by trying to experiment on the local swamp to create new pharmaceuticals. Avery has Alec murdered and his body dumped in the swamp. However, Alec is seemingly reborn as the hulking mixture of plant and man known as the Swamp Thing, played by Derek Mears. 
Uh, Abby and Swamp Thing further investigate the swamp and its magical origins, as well as its connections to the forces of the green and the rot. Uh, they are helped on their journey by characters such as Madame Xanadu, played by Gerald Prescott, Daniel Cassidy, aka the Blue Devil, Ian Zaring, and the Phantom Stranger, played by Macon Blair. Unfortunately, Swamp Thing is captured by Avery and experimented on by his pet scientist, Jason Woodrow, played by Kevin Durand, makes a shocking discovery. Swamp Thing is not Alec Holland, but a sentient mass of plant life that absorbed Holland's memories after his death. Uh, Swamp Thing escapes and is able to confirm the truth when he finds Alec's skeleton in the swamp. Uh, Abby is able to pull him out of his despair, though, and convinces Swamp Thing to fight off Avery's men. The two then vow to protect the swamp together. In epilogues, Avery coughs up some vines, suggesting that he's been infected by the rot, and Woodrow uses what he's learned to transform himself into the Floronic Man, both of which set up a second series which... Whoops-a-daisy! Oh! It's one of those things, isn't it? Setting yourself up for a second series almost guarantees getting axed. But if you leave all the threads hanging and you don't... But if you tie all the loose ends up and there's no opening for a second series plot-wise, you suddenly get told there's a three-series order. Yeah, and then you've definitely... Like, got to scramble to something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what's a, what's a new plot we can do? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, uh, as we've mentioned earlier, Swamp Things is especially egregious because it got cancelled after episode one ahead. It, it was one of those weird ones as well, wasn't it? Because the reviews came out the next morning highly praising the production values, highly praising the the writing and the ratings were fantastic for a show like this on a channel like that and then a couple of hours after that they announced that due to some funding budgetary mix-up it was cancelled yes <laughs> it was something like they were supposed to get a tax break for filming it wherever it was they were filming it but then i think it turned out they didn't or something or someone had just made a mistake on the budgets mm. and they basically realised, oh, they, no, we just can't afford to make this show. Yeah. Because mm. I think as well, the first season was supposed to be like a fair bit longer and then they had to just cut it down. Uh, it was supposed to be 13 episodes. It was cut down to 10 due to um, creative differences with Warner Media. And we all know how critically, uh, critically good they are. Warner Media. They've never caused problems with the production before. Yeah. God, that's that's really the kicker now, isn't it? That Warner said, oh no, this like critically acclaimed series, that's that's too much. No, we... Hey Zack Snyder, here's millions of dollars to make a differently bad version of the bad film that came out before. <laughs> You know that bad film you made four years ago? Go away and make more of it. And this time, shiny. It's shinier and pointier. 
that's what we're missing the first time. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's what would have got us a season two if Swamp Thing had just had more spikes on him. Yeah. A highly polished Swamp Thing. <laughs> so Yeah, that's that, that's what Water Brothers they, they don't like all these trees because they can't see the reflection in them. Unusually though, for a series that gets cancelled that early in, they did run with the entire the entire first series. Yeah, it's at least not one of those ones where you get like three or four episodes and then the rest just disappear. Or or the really bad ones where they it starts off and it's on like eight o'clock on a Wednesday night and the ratings aren't oh. good. So the next two or three episodes, you have to chase around the schedules. Oh, God, yeah, because they're on at like five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and then because you're chasing it around the schedules, the ratings go down even further and then it just gradually disappears and never yeah. gets shown again. <laughs> and then they are like episode six one week and then episode nine the week after yeah. and then episode seven the week after that. <sighs> Firefly, we miss you. We do. You you were basically like the ear example of shows that get dicked over by the <laughs> studios. Uh, so yeah. so yeah that that's basically the plot. It, over ten episodes. Um there's some sort of standalone bits and pieces that happen, but generally speaking, it's all moving towards the reveal of the Floronic Man and um, Alec coming to terms with his swampiness. Yes, yes. I think I kind of missed out. There are kind of a few, like one of it will have like a almost sort of a villain of the week type thing. Yeah. Like I know you've got that one guy who's like all got bugs and stuff inside of him. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of brings me on to the the big issue I had with it. And it's it's similar to, to my one complaint about the Alita movie, is they tried to fit too much in. And I get that they were expecting to make more episodes than they did. But it was almost like there was some stuff in there, like I think introducing the Blue Devil could have waited till season two. Oh yeah, especially because I think Blue Devil is one of the more egregious examples of if you don't know that character from the comics, you like kind of have no idea why is this actor man suddenly like got horns and shooting fire everywhere. Yeah, and it, it it's one of those things, especially if you're making a show about Batman or any member of the, the Bat family, they're ingrained enough in the general population to not need all that backstory unpacking. You know? And if anyone from DC movies is listening, we all know Bruce's parents got killed. We don't need to see it again. But um, they show that time and time again. And yet They'll take a, a character like Swamp Thing or Alita and they'll try and put all the backstory in all at once and everybody else's and introduce new characters. And you go, 
That's too much. It's too much information overload. Ah. Yeah, because Swamp Thing himself is pretty complicated. Because you've got the whole like dying, coming back, then all the stuff of like is he Alcoholic or isn't he? Yeah. And then you've got to tie in all the stuff like the green and the various elemental forces. Yeah. And then you know, yes, you've got your supporting characters that also need to be built up and yes we need to understand um abby's back background and you know we need to understand why people react the way they do to abby we need to understand why kevin durand is driven the way he is and all the rest of it but don't put another bloody <laughs> hero that we don't know in there it's like because I, I think the the big the big problem with, with this being on a channel like DC Universe is there was kind of an assumption that only comic fans would be watching which is a fair assumption on a channel called DC Universe but yeah and as well, I think it's one of those things, because I know the eventual plan with Swamp Thing was they were going to do like three seasons and then kind of maybe do like a Justice League Dark thing. Yeah. So I think it's that classic kind of comic adaptation problem of wanting to just shove as many characters in as you can so you can build them up, maybe give them their own spin-off things. Yeah. And just basically over-egg the pudding. Yeah. Um... I mean, the series did get a second lease of life showing to a wider audience because CW uh, snapped up the broadcast rights after Swamp Thing made a, a guest appearance at the end of the Arrowverse crossover that year um, after Crisis on Multiple Earths, on Infinite Earths. Um, oh, that's right, because he's one of the people at the end just boogieing about in his swamp. Yeah. So, it's not like it's a forgotten series. And in fact, CW did a huge marketing campaign when they, they started broadcasting it almost a year after its original release. So, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's a weird one, is it? Because I feel like, obviously it was a popular show and I think a bunch of places want to do something with it. It's just they probably can't afford to. Yeah, and that that's the problem, I guess, because if whoever does it, you kind of need to film it somewhere like Louisiana, really. Um, or possibly Florida. Florida's got swampland, doesn't it? Yeah, I yeah you, you can't cheaper. really do it on just like a studio backlot no. or especially CW with all the goodwill in the world. You cannot have Swamp Thing take place in just like an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> um, no CW. It, it doesn't work if you just spread a few leaves on the floor. <laughs> no CW. Swamp Thing can't just be a man in a greenish hoodie. <laughs> God bless them. They they try. They do. I think that's why 
I think that's why Legends of Tomorrow work so well, because they don't have to try. None of them are actual sort of... Well, now that Atom's gone, um, none of them are actual sort of costumed heroes as such. Yeah, I, I have noticed looking at the cast list for Legends of Tomorrow how much it goes from, like, Rip Hunter, the Atom, Hawkman and Hawk Girl, to a guy some woman a different lady who's played by the same lady who was one of the superheroes but now she's not a superhero yes so she just wears a jacket <laughs> even john constantine's not in it anymore who was the nearest they had to a co uh, costumed a recognizably costumed hero in season seven well, a, a costume to you in the sense of he has an outfit that he wears fairly regularly. Yes, that was it. I mean, I guess Sarah Lance probably still wears some white stuff. Not really. Oh, I don't, so, so she's just kind of done away with the whole leotard thing. Yeah, occasionally it comes up, but most of the time, she's just dressed in whatever suits the mission that week. Oh, CW. Well, why did you start making superhero shows? <laughs> There's another one coming up soon. Oh, dear God, they're doing a new one. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Nadia? Nancy? David Verne is involved. Oh, is it um, Naomi? Naomi. I knew it, I knew it was a girl's name beginning with N. Yeah, don't oh, CW. No, she does laser blasts. You can't afford laser blasts. <laughs> Mate, you've clearly not seen the latest episode of uh, the latest series of Supergirl. I mean, I guess she does sometimes shoot lasers from her eyes, doesn't she? She fought a giant cat this season. And I'm talking goodies episode giant. Is, is this why everyone has to wear just leather jackets so they can occasionally have a big cat? <laughs> but there you go. We've digressed again. But we have... Because I get I get this so distracted by the CW. <laughs> so it confuses me so much. But yeah, but I guess that you should does... try watching it. <laughs> that does almost relatedly bring us back to Swamp Thing. Is I think kind of the big thing. Swamp Thing looks great at least. It does. It it is. I I think all the all the plaudits that it got before um DC Universe realised they couldn't afford to make it anymore. Um, were were deserved, you know. The the actual um, the plots were okay. Some of them dragged a bit. Yeah, I was, was going to say, if we were still on problems, probably my biggest one is that there are a lot of like Abby goes to the swamp 
gets captured or infected by something that Swamp Thing has to say, uh, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of repetition because effectively, and, and this is the problem with arc plots on TV, I think, is unless you really, really know how to write an arc plot, you are effectively just trying to pad a movie out to 10 hours. Yeah, I mean, it actually reminds me a lot of um, a lot of the Marvel Netflix stuff because that had a very similar problems. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so apart from a few pacing issues and repetitive um, sequences, overall, it wasn't a bad show. It, the acting was good. It looked fantastic. To your points earlier, you never felt like you were in the studio a lot. Largely because you weren't, but even the bits that probably were in a studio felt like they were in a house in Louisiana or a a lab in Louisiana. Um, yeah, because because I mean, something is one of those things, kind of like Batman, where the setting is almost a character in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely, and especially as and when Swamp Thing starts understanding his capabilities more and starts affecting the swamp in ways that assist him and his allies um, it, it's believable in this unlike earlier efforts to realise the character where quite obviously that tendril was being dragged along by fishing line yes yes I have seen that clip <laughs> Yeah, I, it, for me, it's um, it was it was a, a sad day. The day after episode one aired, when DC went, uh, yeah, it's cancelled. Yeah, indeed, because it's got like quite a lot of effective horror stuff in there as well. Yeah, it uh, and and that's what I like about it. It, it. it kind of crosses genres. Yes, it's based on a comic book character. It's a little bit sci-fi-y, it's a little bit superhero-y, and it's also a little bit um, horror. It, there's something almost for every... There's very little rom-com in it, if I'm honest. A little bit of rom, but not much com. No, it, it is definitely lacking in the com. Yeah. Kevin Durand's um, character has an interesting way of speaking as well. He does. It, it's like this weird kind of stilted. It's it's kind of hard to describe, isn't it? It's like it's like the director was constantly going, "Yeah, Kevin, that's great, but can you just do it ultra creepy instead of just creepy?" I mean, there was there was never any point during the series where you didn't think he was a villain, yeah. even when he was trying to make you think he wasn't a villain. Yeah, they've got this weird sense of he is a man who is just trying to like find a cure for his wife's Alzheimer's, but it's also so obviously evil. Yeah, <laughs> he's so obviously going to do that at whatever cost. Yeah, so, but I mean, they're minor gripes. The rest of it is it's a triumph when you consider that it's probably you know it's not one of DC's big ticket 
titles really. Um, it's you know if you released a movie called Swamp Thing in the superhero landscape we have today, would it get the same audience as a film called The Batman? Probably not. I. See, I don't know, because I feel like, I mean, again, it's it's the Guardians of the Galaxy thing where I feel like I can just put out a thing saying, yeah, it's a new DC film, and it still makes a bajillion dollars. Yeah. I mean, I say that, though, you've got stuff like, no, Birds of Prey didn't do, like, super well. No, but when did Birds of Prey come out, though? Because that was... That was, oh, yeah. Yeah, I... that's a... That's a pandemic issue, isn't it? Yeah, because I know Suicide Squad was definitely... Uh, it didn't do that well just because no one's going out to the cinema. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Birds of Prey might have... Yeah, I think that was like right at the start of the pandemic, wasn't it? Let's just check. Well, it was released in 2020, so that's not a great... Um, that's not a great. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, the, yeah, it was probably like March twenty twenty, wasn't it? Uh, release, 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 release. February the seventh, twenty twenty, and that was on the, um, that was in the US. Um, Yeah, but yeah, that would have been when things were kicking off. Yeah. Um, and it, it went on to premium video on demand in, in March because because of the closures. So it didn't get the run in cinemas that it would have done normally. Yeah. And then again, that makes it hard to tell because who knows how many people just then watched it on streaming. Well, this is it. Because if, 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 if a family of six go to see... A movie, there's six ticket sales. If a family of six go to watch, I don't know, HBO Max or whatever, it's one subscription, you know. But <laughs> so, yeah, God, what a what a weird world we live in now. It is, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. But the last thing I'll say about Swamp Thing is that it also manages to tick the box of being a, a good and quite faithful adaptation to the comics. Yes. Yes. It's, again, I'm, with without the familiarity with um, with the actual comics, is it is it an adaptation of a specific storyline? It's. I think it takes a lot of inspiration from Alan Moore's run, right. and there's certainly parts of it that are almost one to one. Yeah, like episode nine. Yeah, because it's ten episodes long, wasn't it? So episode nine, the second to last one, that's very much a direct adaptation of a story called the Anatomy Lesson, right? Which is basically the most famous story from Alan Moore's run, because that is the one where. Um, Swamp Thing gets dissected and they figure out oh he's not actually Alec Holland right okay so fearful adaptation well shot 
reasonably well written, adapted. Cancel. This is why. This is why. The CW shows have longevity. They they play fast and loose with the source material. (laughs) Have no budget. (laughs) And are written like they're us planning a podcast. Yes. (laughs) But honestly, um, check out from the latest season of Supergirl, check out the episode um, with the big cat. Because the way Supergirl defeats the big cat is a joy to behold. So this is another one of those shows that's gone like Legend of Tomorrow, which just gets very weird. Uh, no, you know, Mr. Mix... Oh, uh, Mixes Pitalik. Yes. Well, there's a female um, imp from the nth dimension that's causing trouble. A uh, Mrs. Bits of it's a it's a it's a no. Yeah, they right. just they just call her Nixie. Fair enough, as <laughs> as you should. <laughs> Mixes Pitalik. Yeah. I can I can almost do it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I can't. And don't you have to say it backwards to send him home? Oh you do like, yeah. I think you have to get him to say it backwards. Like a like a rumple silk skin thing. Right. Yeah. So I suppose we ought to rank Swamp Thing. Indeed we should. Now, the last time we, we did a recording we were discussing whether we were gonna split out films and TVs. Indeed, yes, because you weren't on the uh the previous episode. No. So confirm, yes, we have actually done that. We do now have a separate films and TV show list. Huzzah! And actually, this is going to work very well, because obviously with last episode being From Hell, kind of being our first film on the new list, kind of went through the tops and bottoms for the film stuff, and now I can do the same for the TV list. Huzzah! Again! So, uh, our top five for TV are One Division at number one, Jessica Jones season one at number two, The Boys season two, Two at number three. God, that's that's some confusing numbers. Uh, Invincible. Well, season one, I should say, for number four, and at number five was the first season of Resident Alien. Then our bottom five. Uh, one, two, three, five. Yeah, so at number fourteen, we've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, number 15, Lock and Key Season 1. 16, uh, Season 1 of Titans. Number 17, The 2002 Birds of Prey. And number 18, Season 2 of Titans. Yeah. Because, God, remember that. Yeah. I've got a feeling it's not going to get replaced by Season 3. Yeah, yeah, you were saying that Season 3 is apparently a lot better. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think Swamp Thing, despite its minor flaws, probably deserves to go right up there with the boys and Invincible and... Yeah, 
definitely. It's definitely got top, top five TM. written on it. For me. Yeah, just because because I know I think we probably spent like quite a lot of the episode talking about the negatives, but just the way this show looks alone. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be tempted. To be fair, we spent quite a lot of the episode talking about Toxic Avenger. We did spend quite a lot of time talking about Toxic Avenger. <laughs> and Legends of Tomorrow. And Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> so I'd be tempted to say we put it in at number four, just under the boys season two. Okay. So our U number four is Legends of the Top Toxic Avenger thing. thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely gonna. Have... No, do, do, just 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 use short and just call the heap. Oh, man, I I should, but I'm definitely gonna forget what it actually is if I do that. <laughs> Like, I almost tripped it, tripped up on number 15 because I have it written down as Bucky and the Birdman. Bucky and the Birdman. <laughs> that sounds like the Looney Tunes version. <laughs> it does, and a far better show. <laughs> far more laughs in it. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I, I think there we go. We've done it. We've ranked the old Swamp Thing. Yes. So I think that about brings us to the end of the episode. If you would like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow the show and to reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. So long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.